Hey, welcome to the Walk On Podcast. We believe following Jesus is a journey, and hopefully this podcast helps you take your next step. All right, fill in the blank. Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah and the whale, one of the most famous stories of the Old Testament. It's probably one of the most well-known, even for those that haven't read the Bible and don't follow Christ, they're likely familiar with the story of Jonah, this man being swallowed by this whale. And the story of Jonah has caught the imagination of people for thousands of years. It's this ancient story that has been told and retold and repackaged and put into children's Bibles and told on flannel graph stories and put into movies with talking vegetables. And in the vast majority of those retellings, the moment where Jonah is swallowed by the whale is the kind of the climax of the story. And what that does is that places the focus on that moment of Jonah inside the whale. And it causes people to look at that and it, it causes skeptics to say, see, there's, there's no way that that's possible. There's no way a man could survive for three days in a whale. See, that's just proof that the Bible isn't true. It can't be trusted. It's just fiction. But then that causes all of the apologists to come to the defense and say, well, no, it could be scientifically possible. And here's a story of someone in the 1800s that was swallowed by a whale shark. And, you know, they pull out all of these, um, all these anecdotal stories to prove that, no, it could be true. And I think that whole debate of whether it's true or not and the focus on the whale, I think that is an adventure in missing the point entirely. It misses the provocative truth that the book of Jonah is actually trying to communicate. So here's what we're going to do for the next few episodes in our podcast. We're going to dive into the story of Jonah and see what does the story of Jonah teach us about God? What does it teach us about ourselves? And then in future episodes, we're going to look into the New Testament to see how Jesus uses echoes of Jonah to communicate the points he's trying to communicate. There's so much there. So if you can, set aside the whole business about the whale and let's walk through the story of Jonah and see what truth comes to light. So Jonah chapter one opens up with God speaking. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Now, there's so much being said between the lines here, if you understand the context. So Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, and Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire is this brutal empire that expands and eventually conquers the kingdom of Israel. So when God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, he's telling Jonah to go, to go to the capital city of the people that eventually will invade and destroy Jonah's own people. So it would be like today, God calling a pastor in Ukraine to travel to Moscow to talk to Putin and tell Putin how evil and wicked he is. So God gives these instructions to Jonah. And then so how does Jonah respond? In verse 3, we're told that Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. We're told he goes to the port of Joppa and wants to hop a ship to sail for Tarshish. And for Jonah to go to Nineveh, he would have to go east by land. Instead, Jonah goes west to the coast, hops on a boat, and heads out into the Mediterranean, the total opposite direction. 
Now, what I find so interesting and fascinating about how the story of Jonah unfolds is we're told that Jonah goes in the opposite direction. He's trying to flee the Lord, but we're never told why. We don't know why Jonah's going the opposite direction. Is it because he's afraid? Uh, is it something else going on? Like what, what, why is, what is causing him to totally disobey God and head in the opposite direction? Let that question sit with you and hang over your head as we continue through the story of Jonah. So as the story goes on, Jonah hops on the ship, sets sail, and we're told that God sends a storm, a great storm. And these sailors that were sailing the ship are terrified. And while they're battling the storm, Jonah is down below deck, sound asleep. These pagan sailors cast lots to see who might have made the gods angry to send the storm and they determine that it's Jonah. And so they go down and they wake Jonah up and they try to figure out what's going on. And eventually Jonah says, just throw me in the sea. I know the storm is all my fault. In other words, Jonah would, would just rather die. And the sailors don't want to do this and they try other ways, but the storm is unrelenting. And so finally they pray to Jonah's God to ask for forgiveness as they toss him over the side of the boat. And Jonah goes down and sinks into the water. The storm stops. And then you have these pagan sailors who worship Jonah's God. And they offer a sacrifice to him, which sets up an interesting irony that you see in the story of Jonah, where the man of God refuses to obey and worship his God. And yet these pagan sailors who don't know God are the ones that obey and worship. And as chapter one ends and Jonah is sinking down in the water, you reach the famous part where God sends a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside for three days and three nights. And in chapter two is a prayer from Jonah inside the fish. He thanks God for saving him. And then he promises to tell God's message. And in chapter two ends with Jonah being spit out on the beach, presumably back where he first left. And then chapter three starts out and it begins to mirror the flow of chapter one. It says that the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And that's interesting, right? Jonah inside the whale for three days, three days inside the enemy city. I wonder which setting was more miserable for Jonah. And then we're told that one day Jonah entered the city and he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So Jonah finally, he obeyed and he delivered God's message. But when you look at what he said, there's a lot missing. He, he just said 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Jonah doesn't say why. He doesn't say what the Ninevites can do. He doesn't even mention God's name in the message. Just It's just five words in Hebrew that translate to 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And some scholars have pointed out this lackluster way that Jonah conveyed the message. I mean, when you look at other prophets in the Bible, they're known for the dramatic ways that they communicate God's truth. We have Hosea, who married a prostitute to symbolize Israel's unfaithfulness. Um, the prophet Jeremiah carried an oxen yoke with him everywhere he went to show that Judah would be under Babylon's yoke of oppression. 
Um, Ezekiel, he cooked bread over human feces to illustrate how Israel had become defiled. The prophet Isaiah walked around naked for three years to communicate his message. Right, so there's this rich and dramatic prophetic tradition where these prophets um, illustrate in dramatic ways the truth that they're trying to communicate. But Jonah just walks into the city, says five words in Hebrew, and he's done. No reason why, no instruction on what to do, no dramatic flourish. It's as if Jonah obeyed God, but like just the bare minimum. So what happens after Jonah delivers this simple message? We're told that the people of Nineveh believed the message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast. They put on burlap to show their sorrow. The king of the Assyrians mandated a nationwide fast that even the livestock had to fast to show their sorrow and to, to pray for mercy. And then we're told that God saw what they had done. He saw how they'd put a stop to their evil ways and he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Now, again, this story is, is almost this parody of a prophet where you have this man of God called by God who just barely obeys, doesn't put any heart into it. And yet these, this pagan nation who doesn't know God responds in this dramatic way with from the greatest to the least, all of them fasting and showing their sorrow and praying for mercy. Now, this point of the story is where most retellings of Jonah stop, right? Most Sunday school retellings, if you hop on YouTube and you look at little kids' videos that tell the story of Jonah, most of them stop at this point in the story, right? Jonah runs away, the storm and the whale, and he spit up on the beach. And then finally, Jonah goes to Nineveh and they repent. And yay, these people turn to God, let's celebrate. But as you read the story of Jonah, this is all just getting things set up to what I think is the greatest truth found in the story of Jonah. And it comes after all of these moments. Because you, you still remember, we don't know why Jonah fled in the first place. We don't know why he just barely obeyed when he was given a second chance. So then chapter four picks up. And after God decides not to destroy Nineveh and he offers his mercy, we're told that this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So finally, finally we hear why. Why Jonah fled. Why Jonah was reluctant to deliver the message. It wasn't because he was afraid. It was because he knew God's true character. The whole reason Jonah ran and disobeyed God is because he knew that God would show compassion and kindness and mercy to the people of Nineveh, to his enemies. And Jonah didn't want them to experience that. He didn't want to give them a chance to repent. He wanted them to be destroyed because that's what these brutal people deserve, right? 
You see, the story of Jonah isn't about a whale or a fish. It's about God's true character, and it's about humanity's desire for vengeance. That God is a compassionate God. He is slow to anger. He is filled with unfailing love. And Jonah, being aware of this true character of God, knew that God would give mercy to his enemies, to people that he thought didn't deserve a second chance. A friend of mine said this about human nature. He said, we'd much rather choose who is deserving of grace than allow it to be bestowed on those we prefer not receive it. We want to be the ones in control of giving judgment. We want to choose who receives grace and who's not deserving of it. And as the story of Jonah wraps up, after Jonah's complaint to God, we're told that he goes out to the east side of the city and camps out to see what would happen. And the east side of the city is an important note because in the biblical prophets, when they talked about God's judgment coming, it always came from the east. So Jonah is going out. He wants a front row seat just in case God does destroy Nineveh. He wants to be the first to see it. And as Jonah's sitting there waiting, hoping that God would destroy his enemies, God causes this plant to grow up and begin to shade Jonah in the heat of the day. And it gives relief to Jonah, and Jonah is pleased. But then we're told that God sends a worm, and the worm comes and eats the stem of the plant, and it withers. And then Jonah gets angry again. And God looks to Jonah and says, is it right for you to be angry because this plant died? Yes, Jonah replies, even angry enough to die. Then the last two verses in the book of Jonah say this. The Lord looked at Jonah and said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I show compassion for such a great city? And that's how the story of Jonah ends, with a question from God. And we don't know how Jonah answered the question. We don't know what happened after that, but, but I don't think that matters. Because the question isn't really for Jonah, is it? It's a question for you and I today. When we would much rather choose who is worthy of God's grace and God's forgiveness, when we hold on to vengeance and bitterness in our heart, we're answering that question. And we say, we get to decide and no, these people aren't worthy. And yet God, God is a God of immense mercy and grace that even our enemies find forgiveness. Even those who have done brutal acts can have a second chance that there is potential inside of them. And the beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't define us by our past mistakes, but he looks at us and he sees the potential of what could be in our lives. And that's true of you and I, and that's true of our enemies as well. 
Every single human being is made in the image of God. They carry the dignity and worth of our creator. And every single human being is given an opportunity to respond to God's grace and mercy and compassion. Even when we think they shouldn't be given that chance. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. The reason Jonah fled was because he was in touch with God's true character. He knew that God was merciful and compassionate. He was slow to anger and filled with love. And Jonah got a lot of things wrong. But I think the irony of the story is that's the one thing that he got right. But my question for you is, how do you see God? Do you see him as merciful and compassionate? Do you see him as slow to anger and filled with love? Take a moment to ponder on God's true character. And the story of Jonah is a story of a man who would rather choose who was deserving of grace than allow it to be bestowed on those he didn't want to receive it. In this moment, let God bring a person or people to your mind that maybe you intentionally or unintentionally have been holding bitterness and vengeance. Let God bring them to your mind in this moment. And as we end, we end with the same question that God asked Jonah. Shouldn't I show compassion for people like that? Lord, give us the strength to love our enemies. Give us the strength to pray for those who persecute us. And God, help us be an extension of your true character, that we can be people of mercy and grace and compassion, that we can be slow to anger and we can be an extension of your unfailing love. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Walk On Podcast. I put a couple of resources in the show notes. If you want to dig further into the study of Jonah, there's a great book by Tim Keller called The Prodigal Prophet. And then the Bible Project has a really good video that sums up the story of Jonah. You can check those out in the show notes. And as always, help other people learn more about this podcast by uh, rating and reviewing and sharing these episodes. And we'll be back in future episodes as we continue to dig into the echoes of Jonah and the life of Jesus. Thanks for listening. <laughs>